Audible presents the New York Times Audio Digest for Monday, August 8, 2011. Here's what's making news this morning. Syrian forces lash out at another city. European Bank promises action to calm the markets. And AIG to sue over losses tied to mortgages. In today's national headlines, inheriting a big name, Huntsman runs with it. And Governor Hugh Carey is dead at 92. In today's financial headlines, in Verizon strike, cost-cutting versus union pride. Berkshire Hathaway unit is third suitor for reinsurer, and Geithner tells Obama he won't be leaving. There will be more business stories along with more national and world news, a roundup from the sports page, and New York Times columnist Paul Krugman. Now from the editors of the New York Times, here are the stories on today's front page. The top stories reported from Beirut by Anthony Shadid. It's titled, Syrian Forces Lash Out at Another City. The Syrian military defied growing condemnation and initiated another assault on the country's most restive locales on Sunday, deploying dozens of tanks and armored vehicles into parts of a city in eastern Syria that it had long feared provoking, activists and residents said. Dozens were killed, they said, and thousands had fled the city. The attack before dawn on the eastern city, Deir al-Zur, came exactly a week after Syrian forces attacked Hamah, a city in central Syria that had wrested itself from government control this summer. Like Hamah, Deir al-Zur, in Syria's oil and gas producing region, had been the scene of mass protests, with hundreds of thousands in the streets. But the military, wary of the city's powerful and well-armed extended clans, had stayed on the outskirts. The two cities, Syria's fourth and fifth largest, have been the most defiant in a five-month uprising against four decades of rule by the Assad family. After a week of rebukes by a chorus of international voices from the United Nations to the Pope, the assault confirmed what many saw as the determination of President Bashar al-Assad's government to keep power through violence. By the count of human rights groups, over 2,000 people have been killed in the crackdown. Other signs of pressure on the government have emerged, most important perhaps being indications that the business elite in Damascus has begun preparing for the government's fall. That elite has long proved one of the most important pillars of the Syrian leadership, notably during the Islamist revolt in 1982. The regime is its own worst enemy, and it can't be saved from itself, said a Damascus-based analyst who asked to remain anonymous. It is ripe for collapse, but the question remains what will trigger it and when. Residents put the death toll in Deir al-Zur at 42, and one of them said a family of six trying to escape, a man and woman with their four children, were among the dead. Activists said that many residents had left in recent days. A local man who gave his name as Mamun said that pickup trucks packed with as many as 25 women and children each were fleeing down abandoned streets, trying to avoid the fighting. He said there were shortages of fuel and bread. Other residents said private hospitals had closed, but that families were reluctant to take their wounded to government ones for fear they would be arrested. By evening, another resident said, Syrian forces had entered a traffic circle in the heart of the city, once named Assad Square, and now renamed Martyr Square. The city has never witnessed a day like this, Mamoun said by phone, with staccato bursts of gunfire audible in the background. For weeks, Syrian activists had predicted that the Muslim holy month of Ramadan, when the observant fast from dawn to dusk would bring an escalation of the uprising, as protesters gathered nightly in mosques, then organized demonstrations. Instead, the government has chosen the time for a full-scale assault on the cities that seemed most determined to throw off the yoke of the ubiquitous security forces. 
Deir al-Zor harbors deep-seated grievances over government neglect, amplified by popular feelings that residents have yet to share in the region's oil and gas wealth. I can say the clock will never ever turn back, declared a leader of one of the largest clans in the region, who identified himself as Abu Muhammad al-Aqidah.